TII item 404, August 29th, 2016, iOS 9.3.5 and iOS 10 beta 8. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Golly! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. This episode of Today in iOS is brought to you by Harry's.com, where you can use promo code TII to save $5 off your first order. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Brian for sending in the music in the background. Brian wrote, Hi Rob, here's a song called Someone Like You. On iOS, I use the apps Nano Studio, iMachine, Notion, and GarageBand. Most of the songs started on the iPhone, iPad, then brought over to the Mac for finishing. On the Mac, I use the apps Studio One, Logic, and Notion. You can find more of my music at ReverbNation.com slash TimFate. Regards, Brian. Well, thanks, Brian, for the music. And folks, I will put the full song at the end of the episode. And I also will put it in the bonus content in the TII app. I also want to thank Fred for sending in the artwork for today's show. Fred wrote the following. Hey, Rob, here is my contribution to your TII artwork collection. I took a photo of a stack of bright colored towels on my iPhone 6S, then cropped it on my iPad with Snapseed, and finally added the text today in iOS using the new text tool in Snapseed. Cheers, Fred Zelders, the Netherlands. Well, thanks, Fred, for sending in this artwork. And folks, you can see Fred's artwork in the free TI app via the bonus button for episode 404 or at instagram.com slash today and iOS and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash today and iOS. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please make sure to include which app or apps you use credits it artwork and or music. And I'm basically out of music. So if you want to hear more music, Please send me in music that you've created on iOS device. Please, please, please send that in. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote, quote, What we see is that youth are pretty much fed up with iPhones. Everyone has the iPhone, unquote. Niles Monksgaard, Director of Portfolio, Product, Marketing, and Sales, Nokia, 13th December 2011. Ah, the old, no one goes there anymore. It's just too crowded argument. Brilliant. A quick reminder, if you are an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment for free. We just need the five promo codes more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60 second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or the author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. Well, that update was unexpected. And I'm talking about iOS 9.3.5, which Apple released on Thursday of last week. Which has to start today's show. I don't think you could start it any other way, but talk about iOS 9.3.5, which patches a zero-day bug, actually three of them, i.e. that's one that's built into the iOS and apparently in there since iOS 7. And like I said, it patches three different vulnerabilities, sometimes called the Trident. These could be used for nothing major, well, just to access the device's location and or to read contacts, text, calls, and emails, as well as turn on the device's microphone and cameras. And worse yet, there was a company in Israel that created spyware to exploit these vulnerabilities. So it's not just theoretical. 
The good news is you can patch all this by simply updating to iOS 9.3.5, which, yeah, you really should do. And you should also thank human rights activist Hamed Mansour. Mansour is a citizen of the United Arab Emirates, and he was someone the government there looked at as kind of a menace and someone that needed to be spied on. Note, Mansour is someone his government has not treated well over the years, to say the least, with imprisonment, beatings, and a travel ban. So, you know, to make sure that there could be more imprisonments and beatings. Well, they also liked to spy on him and tried many times. In the past, they sent him a PDF packed full of spyware, which he did not open. And early in August, he received two unsolicited SMS messages on his iPhone 6, which contained links to, quote, secrets concerning detainees in UAE prisons, unquote. Well, luckily for all of us, he did not bite or click or tap, really. But rather, he forwarded them on to the Citizens Lab. The Citizen Lab researchers, working with security company Lookout, found that those SMS messages were a series of zero-day exploits designed to take over Mansour's iPhone in hopes of spying on him. From the Citizen Lab's blog, quote, had he followed those links, Mansour's iPhone would have been turned into a sophisticated bugging device controlled by UAE security agencies. They would have been able to turn on his iPhone's camera and microphone to record Mansour and anything nearby without him being wise about it. They could have been able to log his emails and calls, even those that are encrypted end-to-end. And of course, they would have been able to track his precise whereabouts, unquote. If you read the part in the article about the company behind the spyware and the triple exploit, it sounds like something out of a spy novel. Quote, Our team was able to positively link the exploit infrastructure behind these exploits to an obscure company called NSO Group. Don't look for them online. NSO Group doesn't have a website. They are an Israeli-based cyber war company owned by an American venture capital firm, Francisco Partners Management, and founded by alumni of the infamous Israeli Signals Intelligence Agency, Unit 8200. This unit is among the most highly ranked state agencies for cyber espionage and is allegedly responsible, along with the U.S. NSA, for the so-called Stuxnet cyber attack on Iran's nuclear enrichment facilities, unquote. The irony in all of this is Apple's biggest issue with developing a backdoor was the fear that some government would use that access to track down its citizens and those calling out human rights violations. And that is exactly what happened here. Mansoor is not a terrorist. He's not a criminal. He's a human rights activist. And the UAE right now is being looked at by the CIA and the NSA and Israeli intelligence as a bumbling fool for wasting three zero-day exploits on Mansoor. I can tell you right now, the October 4th SOYC Con, also known as Spy on Your Citizens Conference, which is held every year at Fort Meade, well, it's going to be pretty awkward for the UAE representative when he shows up. The check-in might go something like this. Hello, I am His Excellency, Jassim Bu Ataba. Al-Zabi, Director General of the NESA from the UAE, looking for my badge and a free bag. Oh, and can I get one of those double connect lanyards? I just hate those ones with the single connect in the middle. They always flip around and having to say my name over and over. Well, it could be a very long night. To which the person at the check-in desk would then look him up in the computer and say the following. Under Section 37B of the contract, it states quite clearly that all offers shall become null and void if, and you can read it for yourself in this photostatic copy, 
I, the undersigned, shall forfeit all rights, privileges, and licenses herein and herein contained, etc., etc. Fax mentis incendium gloria culpum, etc., etc. Memo bis punitor delicatum. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. So you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Okay, I don't want to downplay the seriousness of these three exploits. Well, downplay it any more than I already have. And what the spyware could do, and if you have not updated to iOS 9.3.5, then you really need to do so right away. Luckily, any iOS device running iOS 9.x is able to get that update now. Citizens Lab stated that once they realized what they had, they contacted Apple with a responsible disclosure concerning the zero-day exploits, and they stated Apple responded immediately. And by the time you get this far in, you're thinking, well, I'll just go to Android. Uh, yeah. They've had these types of zero-day exploits for years, and they were known. And for most Android devices, they are still not patched. Imagine what the Zirelli company has created for Android devices. And that is something Citizens Lab and Lookout researchers basically said when they said there is evidence that the group has ways to get this spyware onto other mobile devices, notably Android. This next bit will definitely sound fanboyish, unlike that last bit. But at least with iOS, when something this bad is discovered, within two weeks, Apple was able to create and roll out the update where it was instantly available to all of its users that are running iOS 9. Something not even remotely possible on the Android side. Again, I do not want to downplay this issue. So I'll leave on this note. It was a bad group of exploits that were being used for the worst of reasons where a government was trying to spy on one of its citizens who is known for calling out the government for human rights violations. If anyone ever had any doubt about Apple's stance versus the FBI, this hopefully will put that doubt to rest. Apple was right. There are bad people and governments out there looking for exploits, and the FBI was asking Apple to go and create a new exploit? That was the wrong call by the FBI. Now go, update your iOS device, and come back and finish the rest of the episode once you do that. Into the email bag on this subject. Hi Rob, I'm sure you've seen the latest update but here are a couple fascinating, if not unnerving, articles with regards to the iPhone hack. One titled, The Cost of Using Zero Days by Nicholas Weaver, uh, the lawfareblog.com, and the other titled, Government Hackers Caught Using Unprecedented iPhone Spy Tool over at vice.com. My favorite quote from the first article by Weaver is, quote, It is time to update your iPhone software today, and if you have a non-Nexus Android phone, then you need to upgrade by throwing that directly into the trash can, unquote. Regards, Brian. Well, thanks for the links and the quote, and I really liked the timeline spelled out in the article by Weaver. This is an office mate of the folks from Citizen Labs, and here was the timeline with dates of what happened. August 10th, the text SMS message was sent to Amid Mansour, who then sends them to Citizen Labs. They capture the zero-day vulnerabilities on August 11th. They reported them to Apple on August 15th, and Apple patched them and had the patch out by August 24th. The article also pointed out that it takes a triple exploit to really take control of an iOS device. Quote, to exploit an iPhone, you need more than a single vulnerability. 
Functional exploits are chains of two or three. In this case, the Trident attack required exploiting a chain of vulnerabilities, a corruption that was in WebKit to take over Safari, a kernel memory disclosure vulnerability necessary to bypass the kernel's defenses, and a kernel memory corruption used to take over the phone, unquote. In the second article, there is an actual quote from NSO, the company that made the spyware called Pegasus, that was busted. So here's what NSO's spokesman, Zamir Dabash, said. Um, the company's, quote, mission is to help the world make the world a safer place by providing authorized governments with technology that it helps them combat terror and crime, unquote. Hmm. Nowhere in there do they mention spying on human rights activists. Guess that's buried a little further down in their company mission statement. Oh, wait, they went on to say, quote, the agreements signed with the company's customers require the company's products only be used in a lawful manner. Specifically, the product may only be used for the prevention and investigation of crimes, unquote. Oh, well, that changes everything. As long as they have a contract that says that, I'm sure no government would ever misuse that software. I mean if you don't count the ones that already have and then got busted by doing so and then led to a patch that broke your software and cost you millions of dollars in sales and R&D for the update. Ah, karma. It's like a three-month-old French bulldog puppy. Looking all cute and cuddly, and then when you least expect it, you get bit where you least expect it. iOS 10 Beta 8 was also released last week. And what at first looked like just a security patch for the triple exploits actually had a few other minor tweaks. Apple Music has a new look, as does Apple News App. And I'm sure there are a few other bug fixes and stability improvements, but really iOS 10 beta 8 was mostly about patching the triple zero day exploits. Obviously, if you are a dev or public beta tester, then you need to update right away to the latest version of the beta. It will patch that bad security bug we talked about and now I think finally that that is the last beta that we will see for iOS 10. Well, Apple has confirmed what we said was going to be the case back on episode 400, which goes to my blog post titled Apple Fall Event 2016 Confirmed for September 7th. This really was not surprising news to anyone covering the space, yet I did see a few articles surprised by this. Really? Guys, really? As I said previously, the September 7th date makes a lot of sense based on it being the first day of CTIA Supermobility 2016 and Apple wanting to get the iPhones for sale on September 16th, meaning they really had to do the event that day. The event will be live streamed from the Bill Graham Civic Center in San Francisco and the next episode of TII will be out the afternoon or evening of September 7th going over all the specs that made it into the next-gen iPhone and all the ones that missed, plus any other announcements and all or any surprises that are there, if there are any. The tagline for the event this year is, See you on the 7th. Some are speculating that means Apple will be adding face detection for unlocking phones, and others saying it is per the update to dual cameras. How about this? 7th? iPhone 7, you know, maybe? Uh, the invite uh, this time is a bunch of circles, 45 by my count, with many different colors and levels of transparency. I think the 45 circles represent the number of countries that will get the iPhone 7, or whatever it will be called, in the first month. 
or maybe there is absolutely no relevance at all with the number of circles, and I just wasted a couple of minutes counting and recounting all the circles. Nah, must be about the number of countries it'll be rolled out to in the first month. Later on, we will go over what specs we think will be introduced, but right now, it is safe to say the first part of that blog post on the September 7th event at 10 a.m. Pacific time was dead on. Now to see if the Saturday, September 10th at 12.01 a.m. Pacific time will be the pre-order time, or will it be the September 9th at 12.01 a.m. Pacific time? That's the, uh, that's the more generally accepted time. Only we were saying it was going to be September 10th. We shall see. I mentioned the last time I talked about Harry's that they have their new Gen 2 blade. As I said, they took the best razor and made it the bestest razor I've ever used. It is still the great five-blade razor, and they made some improvements. It is more flexible for better control and more comfortable shaving. They added a six-blade at the top for trimming hard-to-reach spots, and they still, of course, have the lubricating strip. They also sent me some of their aftershave balm. This is incredible. It soothes and moisturizes, and the best of all, my wife says it makes me smell really good. Really, really good. And yes, having your significant other liking how you smell is a very good thing. If you go to harrys.com, that's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and use promo code TII, you will save $5 on your first order. That's right. First-time customers for just $10 can get the starter kit when you use promo code TII at checkout. And Harry's starter kit is an amazing deal. You get a weighted razor handle of your choice, moisturizing shave cream, three precision engineered Gen 2 blade cartridges, and a travel cover, all for just 10 bucks for first-time buyers when you use promo code TII at checkout. To get the bestest blades, Harry's went and found a German blade factory that was almost 100 years old and purchased it. Harry's owns the most important part of the razor, the blade, and by cutting out the middleman on both sides, that means they can keep prices low to you. This is a great shave that doesn't feel like it cost a buck. Plus, Harry's has, as an organization, helps those looking for jobs by donating 1% of their sales and 1% of their time to help prepare people for professional success. Yes, a shave that feels great from a company you can feel great about. Once again, go to harrys.com now and save $5 off your first order when you enter the code TII. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com and enter the coupon code TII at checkout to save $5 off your first purchase and start shaving better. Hi, Rob. This is Anita. I'm calling from Silver Spring, Maryland. I'm just listening to episode 0403, I believe. You had a caller that uh, had an issue with his iPhone screen and he went to the Apple store and just paid $149 for the new screen, and he did not have Apple Care, and he was told it would be more if he had had Apple Care because of the deductible. He didn't understand the math. Well, pretty much insurance is not about math. It's about coverage, and for me, the insurance is covering the worst-case scenario. So if I have an $800 iPhone and I brick it, lose it, or it gets stolen, or I have water damage and I need it replaced, well, if I've only paid $129 for Apple Care 
or Apple Plus, and then I go in and pay another hundred dollars deductible. Well, that's a lot better than paying eight hundred dollars for a new iPhone. And so when you buy insurance, you're paying for the worst-case scenario. You're not paying for, I just cracked my screen, and why am I paying $200-plus just to replace the screen? You're paying for the worst-case scenario. What could make sense is if Apple had maybe a two-tier system, so say your deductible is only $50 if you just have a simple repair like a screen crack and then a $100 deductible for anything beyond that. Just my two cents on the Apple Care. It, it works the same way car insurance does. Thanks. been listening to your show for a few years now. Every week, keep up the good work. Bye-bye. Anita, thanks for the feedback. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Okay, let me try to understand this. To accept the premise that it's cheaper to pay out of pocket rather than to have AppleCare, one would have to assume that AppleCare only pays for the repair of a broken glass once, or that your phone is never going to be crushed by a moving vehicle. The whole idea of having insurance is to cover for the unexpected. With your logic, one will never need a new car insurance if that deductible for a fender bender was more than expensive than the cost to repair plus insurance. What happens if you total your car or the iPhone? This insurance coverage for multiple unexpected is not just for broken glass. They may be cheaper insurance plans out there. For example, Square Trade, which offers you up to four claims with a $75 deductible. Regards, Glenn. All right, Glenn and Anita, yeah, you're, you're correct that this is the insurance is more than covering just broken glass. And I guess really where... Scott was going with this, and what I was saying is most of the time, all that really happens is broken glass. I mean, that's the most common thing that goes wrong with the iPhone. So you have to look at then the risk-reward, how many iPhones you're going to have over the time, and what's the likelihood that you're going to have uh, more than just a cracked screen. Cracked screen is the most likely damage you're going to see, and when you figure in that's what's most likely going to happen, then you have to say, does it make sense? And Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it does. Uh, it's, all insurance is gambling. You're gambling that you're going to break it and that it's going to pay off. And if you don't break it, then you wasted the money on the insurance. So I have multiple iOS devices where I had insurance, nothing happened, was money wasted. I have others where I had something happen, I didn't have insurance, wish I did. And then I had some where I did have insurance and something happened and it paid for itself. So all gambling but if you look at it just from the perspective of a cracked screen, then the Apple Care Plus doesn't make all that much sense compared to not having it with a single cracked screen. Hey, Rob. It's Scott from Washington, D.C., Capitol Hill. I just uh, listened to the last podcast, and I heard my question, and I got your response, and it was great. And like you say, we're going to wait on the blue shirts to respond. But I wanted to throw one more thing at you. My son has a iPhone S or what have you. And I bought Apple Care for him because he's a college student and I knew that with him being a teenager and everything, it, it probably would um valuable to have the care. My question again is I bought the phone for him, I got the Apple Care. And he broke the screen within the first week of having a phone. I spent 129 on the Apple Care, 
And then within the first week of having the phone, I spent another 100 on placing the cracked glass. So then a year or so goes by, and he breaks the glass again. Go to Apple Care. I spend another 75 I think, on the second repair because, again, this is a iPhone 6, and they don't charge as much for the glass because it's not the 3D touch and all of that. So far to date, I'm at 129 for Apple Care, 229 for the first deduction, then another 70 to 75. So I'm at 305 now. So then last week, he's away in college, just you know checked in and everything, and he drops the phone in the toilet. And I call Apple Care. I said, "Look, he drops the phone in the toilet. What am I covered for?" He said, "Well." He's already had two replacements, which were the glass breaks. And they said, now, you're kind of SOL. have to buy a new phone or what have you. Good thing is the iPhone 7 is coming out. But for the Apple Care and the, let's see, 100, um, 129, and another 75, I'm at 300 bucks. And now the phone's no more good because by the time he drops in the water, the warranty's over. So I'm wondering, is it even worth it to have the Apple Care? Because if I would have bought both screen replacements out of warranty or with no warranty, it would have been less than what I would pay by the time the phone is no good and had water damage. So again, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to understand it's Apple Care. They should have a prorated price for damage, as in if it's just a cracked screen or if the whole damage, if the whole unit is been damaged, like water or physical damages and it's bent or cracked or, you know, something other than the glass. But 129 and then 100 every time you break the glass, it just gets expensive for parents. Again, something for the blue shirts. I hope that uh, this episode they have some sort of response. Sorry for making this so long. Have a great day and it's a great show out. Thanks. Scott, Apple Care is not where you want to go at this point. What you want to be looking at for your son, OtterBox. You want to get OtterBox or a life case. You want to get something big, bulky, strong, waterproof, because your son, he sounds like a wrecking ball on iOS devices. No offense. We are now over 3,000 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks, everyone that's joined, and thanks for the great posts. One new post in the Google Plus community that went live since the last episode. There's lots of comments. Came from Canel on August 24th, who posted the following quote, I'm looking for a recommendation for a printer that works well with iOS, preferably one that has inexpensive ink cartridges, unquote. David, the computer guy, replied, quote, HP OfficeJet 8600 series works just fine with my mobile devices since uh, it has built-in Wi-Fi. Just about any Wi-Fi printer should work, unquote. Nick Brown replied, any HP 8000 series is what you're looking for, unquote. Bob Burbrick replied, quote, if you don't need color, I have been using the HP LaserJet Pro MFP M127FW for quite a while. Print quality is very good. It's reasonably priced and the printing cost per page is very low. I almost never need color, so it works for me, unquote. Haywood Morgan Jr. replied, quote, the Epson Home Expression Small in One series are all air print capable. I have an older model. The ink cost is not bad, unquote. And Myron Yuka replied, quote, Others mentioned the HP 8600 series. We have an 8600A+, which is a few years old now, which 
what is nice with those printers is the external ink tanks, which reduce cost because you mostly just buy ink. The print heads are expensive, but you don't replace them often. We replaced our print heads once, unquote. Barbara replied, quote, I have a $79 HP printer D110, and I'm on Instaprint plan. I pay $2.99 a month for 50 pages. They know when I need new cartridges, so they send them in the mail. I can send an email to my printer when I'm out and come home and it has been printed. Print, copy, scan. I use AirPrint from an iPhone, iPad, MacBook Pro printer. Also does double-sided printing. I like it a lot. In one year, I will pay $36 a lot cheaper than buying cartridges, unquote. And then I replied, quote, I just upgraded to the Epson Workforce WF-3640. It is nice in that there are two trays. One for photo paper and other regular paper, but you can use it just for photo paper, and one for regular paper. This means my wife can print photos from her iPhone, and I can print what I need from my computer, and no need to change paper. Works great with iOS devices. It was just $109 at Target, unquote. And then thanks to Jeremy Horowitz for the heads up that the Epson Workforce printer is just $99 at Staples. And let me say this about the Epson WF-3640 and why I picked that one after looking at a lot of printers out there. And it is the two trays. Again, one you can put photo paper in and one you can put in regular paper. The printer is also e-print friendly, so my wife can print photos from her iPhone and I can print docs from my computer and I don't have to change any paper around in the printer. There are others that also have a special tray for photo paper, but the WF3640 seem to be the easiest to add the paper, have the most capacity in there, so you don't have to change it all the time. And you can add in a bunch um, for both. Uh, so that, I mean, to me, kind of lazy, not having to switch paper, not having to always refill paper, those factors right there, that's what sold me on the HP WF3640. Since the last episode, there were so dozens and dozens of other new posts and comments in the TI Google Plus community, which is an Android fanboys free zone and a spammer free zone. Yep, it is the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. And thanks to all 3,000 plus of you already in the community and contributing. Filed under that didn't take long category. Remember last episode where I talked about TouchGate, where the iPhone 6 and 6 plus iPhones became touch unresponsive and a gray bar showed up at the top and I fix it speculated that it was due to a bad design on one of the circuit boards. Well now of course there is a class action lawsuit that was filed on Saturday. I guess I could have filed this one under of course there is category as well. According to the lawsuit quote Apple has long been aware of the defect which often surfaces from a flickering gray bar appears at the top of the touch screens but has refused to fix it. The plaintiffs linked the problem to Apple's decisions not to use the metal shield or underfill to protect the relevant parts as it did in on versions of the iPhone 5. The iPhones are not fit for the purpose of use as smartphones because of the touchscreen defect, according to the complaint filed in the federal court in San Jose, California, unquote. What will this mean for us that have an iPhone 6 or 6 Plus? Well, that's to be determined, but likely if you have the issue anytime in the next year or two and you bring it to Apple, I have a feeling they will be repairing it for free. Now, that's not yet, but soon that's going to be the guess. 
As I said last time, more on this in a future episode for sure. This next article is really a perfect fit for episode 404. It is titled, quote, It Just Works. Not quite. iPhone crashes more than Android phones study finds, unquote. This article is based on a study called The State of Mobile Devices and Performance by a company called Blanco Technology Group, BTG. What did they find? Quote, out of the 58% of iOS devices that failed, iPhone 6 had the highest failure rate, 29%, followed by the iPhone 6S, 23%, and the iPhone 6S Plus, 14%. In analyzing the causes of the iPhone performance issues, crashing apps, 65%, Wi-Fi, 11%, and headset 4% were found to be the primary culprits. Despite their tremendous popularity and record-setting growth rates, Snapchat 17%, Instagram 14%, and Facebook 9% dominated the list of crashing iOS apps. Unquote. One of the comments I read said that the report included devices running the betas. If that's true, then you can throw out all this data out the window. However, I went and downloaded the report, and the word beta is nowhere in the report, so I don't know where those folks got that from unless they actually contacted the folks that did it, and they told them that, but wasn't in the report. This report is based on crashes in Q2 of 2016. Top 10 crashing apps for Q2 2016 were in order from worst to less worst. Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook Messenger, Google, Pinterest, Willy Wonka, Groupon, Pandora, Google Photos, and WhatsApp. And all this bad news for Apple is probably why Fluent put out data that led to articles with titles like 1.5 million U.S. iPhone users are about to switch to Android, quote, unquote. However, when we look at how that data comes to be, it looks as if Android switchers to iOS will see about 4 million Android users switch over. However, all is not great news for Apple. Leading up to the September 7th event, interest based on rumors is, let's say, muted at best. A survey from Fluent found the following. 31% or just 31% of iPhone users think the new model will be a big deal. Just 28% think the new models will be a major improvement. Which makes me wonder about the 3% that did not think it would be a major improvement, but did think it would be a big deal. Hmm. 56% of consumers think waterproofing is important, and 63% of consumers think the rumored loss of the headphone jack is a drawback. The other 37% asked, what's a headphone jack? Of course, all this data gets thrown out the window once the September 7th event comes, and we actually know what said next-gen device really does and does not offer. Speaking of the headphone jack and the impending removal thereof, one person that is not a fan of that removal is the guy that kind of knows Apple a little bit, the was. He said, quote, if it's missing the 3.5 millimeter earphone jack, that's going to tick off a lot of people, unquote. Many people point to Bluetooth as a way to connect going forward rather than a dongle. Steve Wozniak said, quote, I would not use Bluetooth. I don't like wireless. I have cars where you can plug in the music or go through Bluetooth and Bluetooth just sounds so flat for the same music, unquote. So there's one person's opinion for the September 7th announcement. Call it a leak, but really just likely a guess. Some iPhone 7 and 7 Plus cases started showing up on Amazon already. Spygen is one company that has a whole bunch of the iPhone cases on Amazon. But one place Spygen does not have any cases for sale? Well, that'd be Apple.com. STM, Mophie, Tech21, Otterbox, Uvatech. Logitech, and many others, yes, they're on Apple.com. 
but not Spygen. They are not approved vendor by Apple. So any info Spygen received for their iPhone 7 cases did not come from Apple. However, in the past, it was shown that case manufacturers were paying off people on the line, the production lines, to get the iPhone enclosures early so they could make their cases prior to launch. And it is possible, highly possible, Spygen spent a bunch of their money for exactly that purpose. And if we look at the Spygen cases, what do we learn? One, there are dual speakers on the bottom. Two, there is no headphone jack. Three, the Plus design has a dual cameras. And four, it's basically the same design as the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus, except per items 1, 2, and 3 above. There were also iPhone 7 and 7 Plus cases from Rinky, Caseology, Luvit, Maxboost, and Trainium in Amazon. And what they all have in common is the dual camera for the 7 Plus and no headphone jack on the bottom. Oh, and none of them are vendors at Apple.com. Yeah, they have that too. So we're nearly a week away. What is expected for the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus, or whatever the next gen devices will be called? What else will be announced? Well, give me a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG, and let me know your predictions prior to September 6th, and I'll try to get them on the show early in the episode. I will also put up a bingo card prior to the event. That'll be at todayinios.com, and I'll send out a push notification when I do that. Right now, I think from a top-level prediction, here is where we go into the event. New 4.7-inch and 5.5-inch designs that look very similar to the 6S and 6S Plus, except no headphone jack, and for the Plus model, dual cameras. The device will likely be water-resistant. That is likely what Apple's will cite as a key reason for the removal of the headphone jack. There will be either one or two new colors, with space black most likely, and dark blue being the dark horse candidate for being a new color. Of course, there will be the A10 processor. The 16 never designed for 4K video gigabyte version will be replaced by the 32 not really designed for 4K video either gigabyte version on the low end. With 128, okay, you can buy me gigabyte version and 256 fully future-proofed gigabyte versions available. The home button may go away and be built right into the screen. The downside here is a crack to the screen where before it was still a usable device may not be so much now. Plus, what happens when you have a screen protector as an FYI all the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus cases basically show it still having the home button. There will also be some additional specs, which we will have on the bingo card, but let me know which ones are missing, in your opinion, or that you think should happen. It is also very likely new MacBook Pros with a brand new design will be introduced finally. I won't get into it on this show. That's for Mac OS Ken and MacCast. And Apple Watch 2 is expected now, and it'll probably be the same exact size as the original Apple Watch, but with a bigger battery. Someone was saying 35% more battery charge. That is also expected to have a faster CPU in it, and likely GPS, but not cellular. There will likely be new iPads announced as well, but not new Apple TVs. Again, give us a call or shoot us an email, today in iOS at gmail.com. Let us know your predictions for the September 7th event prior to September 6th. Hi, this is Robert from San Diego. 
I'm calling about the phone coming up and requiring that the passcode be changed, and the other person was asking if that had happened to anybody else. Well, actually, it did happen to me, and it was in the worst time that it could happen. I was driving down the road on the freeway, and it was dark, and I was trying to use my phone to just listen to different podcasts and go from one podcast to another for entertainment while I was driving and I was trying to switch. And it wouldn't let me because it was forcing me to change that passcode while I was driving. This is in L.A., so I couldn't just pull over. So it was actually very inconvenient. I was able to do it so that I could keep my phone working and use it for the podcast, but it was bad. So I do think it's an Apple push, but I think it's a really bad Apple push. Uh, I don't know why they were trying to force the upgrade. I think it's probably because they want everybody to switch over to six characters instead of four. Anyway, I have switched my phone back to the old password now. Thanks. Robert, thanks for the feedback. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. Like your other listeners that reported it on the last episode, I too saw the message on my phone asking me to change my passcode. And while I didn't want to change it, I did so because I assumed it was a security measure Apple put there, so I didn't think I had a choice. In the same way that you need to enter your passcode after a certain amount of time rather than using the Touch ID. It never would have occurred to me that it was a bug, like your other listeners thought. Regards, Matt. Hi, Rob. This is Mike from Indianapolis. I'm a longtime listener of the show. I wanted to take a moment and say thank you for all the hard work that you do. Uh, we really appreciate it. I understand it's a lot of work. I was calling in regards to the pop-up message that uh, a user was discussing that was telling them to change their passcode. I had the same thing happen on my phone. I have an iPhone 6 Plus, and the, the reason that I think this was happening is because in the latest iPhone iOS update, they changed the passcode from 4 to six characters as the default passcode. And so if you still have a four-digit passcode on your device, then you're getting a pop-up message every once in a while telling you that it wants you to change to a six-digit passcode to increase the security. If you go into your settings app under passcode and touch ID, you can change the passcode and it automatically will default to a six-digit passcode, but you can click passcode options and change it back to a four-digit passcode and then enter it in, and it shouldn't give you any trouble after that. If anyone is worried about the software being malicious of any kind, you know, always go in through the settings app and change the passcode manually. Never click on a pop-up if you're unsure that the pop-up is safe or not. That's all I have to say on this. Thank you very much for your time. Keep doing what you do. Thanks. Bye. Mike, thanks for the kind words and for the feedback. This next one is under the category of you don't need it, You'll want it. It is the Lyft Anti-Gravity Levitating Smartwatch Charger and Lamp. I guess the lamp was thrown in because, you know, that whole anti-gravity charging uh, your smartwatch thing, eh, it was just not enough on its own. This one had a goal of 44000 and has raised well north of two hundred fifty k. Well, I guess throwing the lamp in there worked. Because, again, it goes under You'll Want It, the category. You have until Thursday, September 22nd at 11.56 a.m. Central Time if your wants win the day. Anti-gravity, as you know, is not cheap, and you need to levitate $159 out of your wallet to get this. That will get you the lift charger or orb, the lift base, and the power adapter. There are other prices and options. I will not bore you with them and just say anti-gravity charger. 
Estimated delivery will be October 2016. This works with both the Apple Watch and the Pebble Watch. Quote, the only levitating system that wirelessly charges your Apple Watch or Pebble while suspended in thin air. Unleash the smartwatch, unquote. Search for Lyft, L-I-F-T, at kickstarter.com or in the show notes for episode 404 at todayinios.com. Thanks to Tosin O for the heads up on this next one, which is that Dropbox has announced it will be requiring some users to change the password. It is not about accounts being compromised. Rather, quote, if you signed up for Dropbox prior to mid-2012 and haven't changed your password since, you'll be prompted to update it the next time you sign in. We're doing this purely as a preventative measure, and there is no indication that your account has been improperly accessed. We're sorry for the inconvenience, unquote. If you are not prompted to change your password, then nothing is needed on your end. Again, just some users are being asked, and it's not a phishing scam yet. That said, the scammers will now start sending out emails for asking you to click on this link to change your password for Dropbox. So be leery of that. Anytime you get an email asking you to click a link to change password, don't do it. Go to a browser, manually type in the site's URL, and then change, or then log in and change your password. Never, ever, ever click on a link in an email from anyone you were not specifically looking to get a link from. And in this case, one that has publicly stated they are asking people to change their passwords. Scammers know that right now. From Dropbox, people are expecting an email about this, and they're going to pounce. Be ready. Do not assume an email you're going to get from Dropbox is actually from Dropbox, especially if it has a link in it for you. Ignore that one. Go to dropbox.com manually, then log into your account, then change it. And just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean they're not still out to get me. Hi, Rob. It's Kim from Salem, Oregon. And I have a question about the uh, Apple Watch that's not an Apple Watch. You were talking about Apple uh, working on some more wearable technology and everything and how they were working on a I guess you'd call it a Fitbit or something. And I was wondering why they don't just have a setting on the actual Apple Watch, say Apple Watch 2, for example, that you can either turn off the time or have the time displayed. And wouldn't that solve everyone's problem? You know, the people that don't want an actual watch can just have all the other features of the watch without having the time displayed, and everybody else can just use their watch as a watch plus so much more. Anyway, just let me know what you think. I'll uh, talk to you later and have a wonderful rest of your day. Love the show. Bye. Kim, it's not that the Apple Watch has a watch feature that is an issue or making it just a purely fitness device. It's that it has a glass front that, when you bang it around, can break. So what you're really looking at for a purely fitness device is you got to get rid of the screen, touchscreen. And, and it's not that it has a watch on it that's causing an issue with anybody because that's just an app that's on there. Uh, they don't have to use it. They can use it look at other things. But it's more about the actual having a bigger screen and it being a bulkier device. And then you want a fitness device, you want it to be a little bit less bulky and be more dedicated to just fitness tracking. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. I was on the road this week when my iPhone 5S stopped taking charge. I took it to the first repair shop I found, and they fixed it by replacing the lightning port. While I was waiting for them to fix my phone, I started to wonder about the risks of having a third party repair your phone. I'm not talking about losing my data. I'm talking, I'm wondering about should I be worried about them getting access to my data and information or installing malware on my phone? 
Also, what precautions should I take if this happens again? Regards, Mike. Well, Mike, that is one issue you may have to deal with when looking at a third-party repair center. I would suggest before you go into them, you look them up, see if there's any reviews on them, see what you can find out about that repair center before you bring it in. Uh, that is one of the downsides to going to a third-party repair center. It's not Apple, and you, at least you feel, if you bring it to Apple, that you have some sort of security and you know they're not going to be putting any malware on it. Or malware, for that matter. Back to email big. Hello, Rob. Your personal opinion, when do you expect the Apple II watch to ship? Regards, Mike. Hi, Mike. I would say within about 30 days of the September 7th event, maybe as much as 45 days later, but can't imagine it any later than that. We shall see. Hi, Rob. It's Kim from Salem, Oregon. And I was listening to the very end of episode 402, where it has the uh, music from that was featured at the beginning of the episode. It was a great song. And during the end of that song, I was thinking, you know, I really miss Daniel. We haven't heard from him in a long time. And then she come on at the end of that song was Daniel from Whispeech in Cambridgeshire. It was awesome. And um, glad you're back, Daniel. Um, and that's awesome about the uh, apple cord. What I want to know is why I can't make the Apple Cord thicker because I use a case with a charging, a multi-charging case, and it has a really thick cord to plug into the computer or the and the phone, and it's like a lot thicker than the Apple Cord, and if it would just make the cord thicker, then that would solve the frame problem. And uh, congrats on the cable. And Rob, good luck with your next show. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hi, Rob. I just wanted to let you know I'm using the iOS 10 public beta 6, and I found a glitch. If your screen is locked, you swipe to the right to get to the today's screen. If you tap on stocks or anything like that without a lock on your phone, and then you hit the home button, it'll take you right to your main home screen without using your fingerprint or passcode. Figured I would let you know. All right, thanks. Thanks for the feedback. And I tried that with iOS 10 beta 6 and beta 7 and now beta 8, and I couldn't get it to duplicate. So whatever the issue we're seeing, it doesn't appear to be there on my iOS device. Hopefully it was just a matter of was just reading your fingerprint really quick where you didn't realize you were actually unlocking it. And there's not this major iOS bug at the initial release. I will ask this. What did Apple say when you reported this bug? Because you did report the bug, right? That's the whole reason for being a beta tester. So uh, did Apple get back to you on this? Did they say anything when you reported the bug? Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. My wife's iPhone 6 Plus has the touch issue. Once the phone is unlocked, it just is unresponsive to touch about 30% of the time. She locks it and unlocks it again, sometimes several times to get it to respond. We just assumed it was related to having the screen replaced about a year ago. Looking forward to hearing any info Regarding a fix, thanks, Corey from Ohio. Hi, Corey. Hang in there. More to come on this in the near future. The only downside here for you is that Apple may say, since it was damaged and then repaired by a third party, you may have voided the warranty or any special considerations they're going to give people. But again, let's see how this plays out. They may get very liberal in fixing the issue if it gets worse and bad or worser PR than what they've already gotten. So uh, anyway, this one's going to play out over a long period of time, so just stay tuned.
And for those of you that are fans of Podcast 411, I put up an interview uh, two days ago, interview with Aaron Mankey from Lore. It's episode 233 of Podcast 411. If you are a podcaster or want to be a podcaster, this was a really great interview. You got to hear how Aaron grew his show from nothing to one of the biggest shows there is in iTunes and did it in 18 months. So again, check out podcast411.com. Look for episode 233, the interview with Aaron Mankey from Lore. Thanks to Mike Pompa for the suggestion on this next one. I didn't say anything. Oh, no. I didn't say anything. I'm sorry. I'll try harder. I didn't say anything. Sigh. I didn't say anything. Sorry. I didn't say anything. Unfortunately, I am as yet imperfect. I didn't say anything. Give me another chance. Thanks again to Harry's for sponsoring this episode. Please go to harrys.com now and save $5 off when you enter the coupon code TII with your first purchase. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com and enter the coupon code TII at checkout to save $5 and start shaving better today. Or, well, at least as soon as your new shave kit arrives right to your doorstep. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG or record your feedback and email to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment per something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else, an app, a product review, good or bad, as long as it's iOS-related, it is welcomed. I'm always looking for new artwork to feature that you've created on iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And, of course, we're always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. It's your show, and your feedback is greatly desired. Don't forget our Google Plus moderated community by going to todayinios.com slash community. Finally, check out the updated, recently updated TII app, which is free to you. Search for TII in the iTunes App Store. It is the best way to consume the show and to get push notifications each time a new episode of TII is released. Next one will be September 7th, by the way. It is fully voiceover friendly, of course. Please go right now and download the TII app. And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today and iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. Once upon a time, I used to know someone like you, someone like you. Once upon a time, I used to go with someone like you, someone like you.
Once upon a time, I used to know someone like you, someone like you. Once upon a time, I used to go with someone like you, someone like you. Once upon a time, I used to know someone like you, someone like you. Once upon a time, I used to go with someone like you, someone like you. Once upon a time, I used to know someone like you, someone like you. Once upon a time, I used to go with someone like you, someone like you. Hey Rob, here is my contribution to your TII or artwork contribution. Hey Rob, here is my contribution to your TII artwork collection. Then cropped it using and founded by alumni of the infamous Israeli Signals Intelligence Unit or agency. Hello, I'm His Excellency Jassim Bu Abdurda. Hello, I'm His Excellency, the just... No, 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 no. Five-hour energy drink, kick in, please. Hello, I'm His Excellency... No, now I sound... We are now over 3,000... One person that is not a fan of the removal is this guy that kind of knows Apple a little. The Wiz. <laughs>
Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. We'll begin with a spin traveling in the world of my creation. What we'll see will defy explanation. If you want to view paradise, Simply look around and view it Anything you want to do it Want to change the world There's nothing to it Hurry up, Violet! This way, Grandpa! No life I know to compare with pure imagination Living there you'll be free If you truly wish to be Simply look around and view it Anything you want to do it Want to change the world There's nothing to it I know to compare with your imagination living there you'll be free 